I want to point out to you that that was the first time in, in the creation story where God didn't say something was good. He said it was very good. Do you understand? Until he created you, he didn't even have a concept for very good. Everything was good. What does good mean? It means pleasant. It means agreeable. It means good. Eleven times in the Old Testament, that word is rendered beautiful. Stick with me. And it wasn't until he created humanity. It wasn't until he created you in his own image when he said this. It is very good. Very means muchness, force, abundance. Meaning, in, in countless times, he means exceedingly and greatly. Meaning when he looks at you, he says that is greatly good. That is greatly and abundantly good. That is, you are exceedingly pleasant for him to look at. You look in the mirror and you see all the things that are wrong with you. Again, do you know him? Because here's what I know. When somebody tells me that I'm good at something, You know this feeling. Whether or not words are a real language of love for you, somebody tells you you're good at something or somebody acknowledges something really awesome about you, something inside of you just kind of leaps a little. You know what I mean? Just, oh, it's kind of cool. You hear it enough times from the same person, you're really going to start to forge some kind of relationship. And here's God saying, every time I look at you, I see beauty. I see my son, I see my daughter, I see what I created. I'm so proud of you. You're so awesome. You think every time you look at God, he's gonna tell you everything that's wrong with you. No, when you look at God, he might tell you what's missing, but he's not gonna tell you what's wrong with you. Simply being in his presence will be enough to tell you whether or not you're sinning. Seriously, you encounter God, you will know whether or not you're, there's a sin in your life. The radiance of his glory and his holiness will simply be like, oh, yeah, that thing in my life, I should get rid of that. We keep thinking that we can run from God. When you get a second, read Psalm 139. I don't have time to go there tonight. But in it, David is talking about how he's wonderfully and fearfully made. And you and I might look at his words and say, well, Sean, that's, that's easy for him to say. He was a king. He was a priest. He was a prophet. I mean, he was chosen by God to just like do amazing things in the earth. And for goodness sake, um, Jesus was the son of David. I mean, he was so great that, that, that one of the names of Jesus is son of David. I mean, of course, like, of course he's going to look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I, can I tell you this tonight? David was a rejected son. David had no reason for, for a, a puffed-up self-image. Do you understand? When, when it came time for the prophet to come to the house of Jesse and anoint a new king over Israel, seven sons were brought before Samuel. David was still out in the field. Understand this. It wasn't just because the sheep needed to be cared for. David himself said, I was conceived in iniquity, and in sin my mother bore me. Do you understand? David was conceived in an adulterous relationship. He was an illegitimate son. He was Jesse's son, but by another woman. And I want to propose to you tonight that the same guy who was rejected his entire life, who just, go just deal with the sheep. 
He didn't just go and deal with the sheep. He learned who God was. And he, understood, and he started to understand what the presence of God was because God knew down the road, I'm gonna raise up a man named Jesus who's gonna be the, the cornerstone that the builders rejected, just like David was rejected. Seven sons down the line, here comes an eighth son by an adulterous relationship, and Jesse's gonna be like, I don't even want you in my house when the prophet comes by. Understand this, you and I need to come to an understanding that that same God who looks down at a rejected son sees beauty, sees life, sees purpose, sees value, sees an identity. He looks at you and he says, I've created you in my image and I don't care what everybody else says, you're gonna do amazing things and I'm gonna raise you up. You know why? Because you hunger for my presence. You have a passion to be around me. Your dad has, has, has not been anywhere for you. Your mom has not been anywhere for you. All your friends and your brothers and relatives had forsaken you, I will not and he had the gall to believe it. That's what made David great, but he understood, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at you and he sees something beautiful. He sees something beautiful. Understand this, we're talking about a mind change tonight. That's repentance, that means, that means everything about my life, I'm heading in this direction. And I realized because of an encounter with God that he actually has me to move in this direction. It's a complete mind change. I want to propose to you this. Every time you sit down to listen to the word of God, I want you to, I, I want you to either write down to yourself, I'm going to pretend I know nothing about anything. Fastest way to grow in your relationship with God is to understand everything is on the table. Every way that I think. Not just actions. I'm not just talking about single actions or thoughts. I'm talking about every way that you think. Think about it this way. Your identity determines everything, and especially your choices. I want you to consider this. Consider the girl who thinks she's ugly or at best unattractive. So a girl who thinks that she's ugly or at best unattractive will spend all of her time trying to get what whoever she can that thinks she's attractive. Because if she thinks she's ugly or unattractive, she'll take any guy that shows the slightest bit of interest. Why? Because if I'm ugly and unattractive, I'm only gonna get one or two shots at this. So I'm gonna grab onto whoever I can and just try to do life with them and try to make them into the person that God's designed for me. On the flip side of it, you can have a guy who sees himself as weak, as awkward, as fat, or allows the inner competitiveness to motivate him. Now this guy's gonna do the same thing but for different reasons. Because this jock over here or this guy over here has more to offer or more, more charisma than I do, then, um, then I'm gonna do whatever I can in and, and, and whatever way that I can to get with a girl because this is all about competition. We're gonna do the same thing. Both of them will say anything and they will do anything to land a boyfriend or girlfriend as soon as possible so they don't miss their chance. All the while, God is saying, you're beautiful. Like I can, I can, I can preach here and I can, I can go to each one of you or just around the room and just say, you're beautiful. You wouldn't believe me, why? Because it's me. Well, Sean, yeah, you're the pastor. Of course, you're supposed to say people are beautiful. They won't come back to church if you don't. Listen, you can't, you can't say to God, well, of course you think I'm beautiful. You create, or, um, you're my dad. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm that, but I, I, I created you in my image. There's li literally nothing more beautiful in all of creation 
except for me. I'm just that fly. Repentance, guys, is not just turning from sin. It's making his mind your mind. That's repentance. If you want life change beyond just Thursday night, I get my shot in the arm of worship and I cry a little bit at the altar. I lay a sin down, but I'm going to pick it up in three days so that like when I come back on Sunday, I can just lay it down again because I'm going to get you know, convicted in his presence and, and I'm just going to stay in this hamster wheel. At some point, really though, I'm going to jump off the hamster wheel. Why? Because it just doesn't seem to be working. Or I can believe what he says about me. I can believe that I'm not a sinner saved by grace, but I'm, I'm a saint. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually holy and blameless in his sight because the blood of Jesus has washed over me. Not just to wash away my old sins, but I actually now have the freedom to not sin again. Do you understand it's possible to not sin again? <laughs> Heresy. Heresy. <laughs> Sean, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. I know. That's why you repent. Chris Ballatin's this amazing author and writer out in California. He's had people come up to him and be like, Chris, I just, I just don't buy it. Are you telling me that you, you've gone a whole day without sinning? He said, yeah. <laughs> you can go a whole week without sinning? He said, yeah. I know him. I love him. And when that thought sets in, when the understanding of who he is becomes alive to you, it changes everything about how you think, how you act, how you speak. When Jesus said, or when Paul, sorry, back up. When Peter quoted from the Old Testament, be holy as I am holy. He wasn't giving you a, a, a commandment that you could not obey. God doesn't tell you to do something and then not empower you to do it. So when he says, be holy as I am holy, he's saying, I want you to be like me. Do you understand? Anytime God talked about himself, it was always that. Other people said that God was love. Other people said that he's a consuming fire. God said about himself, I am holy. Be holy. We pray for more of the Holy Spirit. The first word in that name is holy. We're out of time, so I just want to give you guys an opportunity tonight um, to respond. Um, leaders, pastors, if you want to kind of come up and just be here at the minister to altar, or hit the altar to minister. We're all tired. Guys, there are people all over this room, all over this room. I would dare even to say that it's most, if not all of you. You have been rejected most of your life. You do not look in the mirror and see anything that's beautiful or that is worth uh, having a relationship with anyone. And so starved for real relationship because you've hindered yourself, um, you you do whatever you can. 
you wear the wrong clothes, you say the wrong things to the wrong people, you mess around with the guys or the girls. And I know a God that wants to cleanse you, not just from those choices, but from even the mind that says that that's the way to go. There are people in the room, you just, you look at, you look in the mirror and you hate everything about what you see. There are people in the room that you've made choices that you know do not reflect the fact that you were created in the image of God. Guys, this is not time. This is not time to condemn yourself and this is not time to feel guilty. This is a time for life. This is a time to turn over and say, man, I may have known Jesus. I'm not sure if I knew the Father. I'm not sure if I knew how good he was. I'm not sure I knew that, that he's the one that actually, uh, that actually formed me in my mother's womb. I'm not sure how much I know him. Like Jesus did everything, not just so that you could know him. He does want you to know him, but he did everything so that you could know the Father. There's another end game here, guys. To know his love. We sing how he loves, how he loves, how he loves. He loves us, he loves us, he loves us. Do you know he's talking about things? Not talking about Jesus. The love of God is ferocious. The love of God is like a tornado. It's like a hurricane. Do you know how massive that is? But guys, understand this. Like I saw all over this room tonight, you can stand in the center of a hurricane and never know that there's a hurricane around you. An eye of a hurricane can be like 60 or 75 miles. So 60 or 75 miles around here, I, I could not know that there was a hurricane swirling around me until I take a step. In any direction, it doesn't matter. You're gonna find God. So I wanna invite you right now, just as we're finishing up tonight, to take a step. Take a step. Come towards the altar. If you want prayer, any one of these people, these are men and women of God who have set their lives aside and have gained victory in these areas that we're talking about. That if there's there's hurt from the past. There's, there's relationship wounds that need to be healed. There's, there's all kinds of things. You need, you need a heart change and a mind change tonight. Take advantage of this time. Get to know this incredible God. Let his, let his blood and his living water wash over you clean that you can look up and say, you are the son of God. Now show me to the Father. Respond. Take the step. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Don't hold back anymore.
guys, I want to encourage you tonight. If it means getting in a line, then go ahead and get in a line. But like my heart still tells me, I know people are responding, but my heart still tells me um, there are people in the room you don't know. There's something actually shaking inside of you. I was at, a, I was at a, a conference not too long ago and everything, there was this woman preaching. Everything that she was preaching, my spirit was jumping and saying, this is so true. But my mind was saying, no, it's not. And I, and, and I heard the spirit of God say, I need you to go to every single one of her teachings. Why? Because my mind needed to be transformed. I didn't really come to a place of knowing where she was coming from and really understanding what God wanted for me. So I wanna, I wanna give you just a little bit of a nudge. If you know don't let peer pressure hold you back. Don't let what somebody's going to think about you hold you back. If you know the spirit of God, there's something inside of you that's like, this is legit. I got to know this God. Don't hold back. Just make your way to the altar. Just that step alone, he will begin to respond to you even before you get prayed for. Take that step.